0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 449 for Sunday, Mother's Day, May 12th, 2013. <laughs> And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We do our best to answer your questions and share your tips and cool stuff found, as well as stories and things that are relevant on our own. And together, the whole concept is for us all to learn a little bit something new about the Mac, Apple, technology, life in general. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: It's a pretty tall order, my friend. Yeah, but um, <laughs> here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Brown, my brother from another mother. That's how it goes here on Mother's Day, so, and it's all about mothers. Yes. So you probably, uh, uh, well, I don't know if you did, but uh, uh, I I was uh involved in Mother's Day festivities earlier in the day, as were we, as were we. Yeah. Excellent, because yeah. you know, without mom, we wouldn't be here. Of course, we started our day. Most of most of us, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not sure where you were going. Well, I'm just <laughs> assuming that most of the people that are listening are uh, 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 have been created by, yeah, yeah. Just going to stop. Yeah, 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 we're good. Let's, uh, you know
0: what? Let's let Brad <laughs> take us. Uh, let's just start the show. Let's go. And then we, can, I've got some stories. You know, I, I said I'm, I'm a little, little frazzled, but but I'm going to ta- tell the story okay. about that a little later because I, I did use technology. Uh, To solve a problem on the fly. And it it was actually
1: kind of cool. So anyway. But so Brad, so so you're going to assume that I have this question in front of me. Go due to a tip that I've uh, and we'll mention it later, actually. So Brad writes, hey, guys, one thing I really miss from the old days in Windows is the ability to right click anywhere on the desktop or within a folder and create a new text document. I'm hoping you guys can help come up with a Mac option for this question mark. I really keep text edit in my dock and I use Alfred sometimes to quickly launch, but it is just not the same. Not as quick and convenient. Dave, I have not one but two answers to this question. So one involves you breaking out your wallet. But there is a commercial option and it is called as it's coming up on my screen here. New N E U by elegant chaos. I like it. (laughs) <laughs> that's a cool company. Not a work. name. Wish I thought of that. And basically says open... Uh, no, I'm sorry. New is a simple application that makes it easier to create new documents in the Finder without you having to open an application first. So that's basically what it does. Ten bucks lets you open uh, just like in Windows. And I got to say, Dave, that probably is a shortcoming of the uh, Mac uh, OS interface in that you cannot, with a single click, create a new document. As far as I know... It's just not there. It's not there. uh, Necessary. Windows has it. Mac doesn't. But uh, this app will let you do that. So that's option one that I told him. And then number two, I found a a splendid article over at, uh, from our pals over at Macworld. And it's uh, basically a little uh, ditty here. So if you want the free option, uh, this is a nice article at Macworld. Create a new file in the Finder. And really uh, really what it involves is you creating an Apple script and then adding, uh, without reading it to you, but creating an Apple script and then adding that Apple script, uh, to your services menu, I think is what this is really is suggesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. So, and I think automator, maybe it's just automator and I think it's a mix here. So two ways to go here, pay some money or get wizardly with automator and Apple script and you will have an option to do so from the desktop.
0: That's cool. Yeah, we talked about that on a previous show, but, uh, but didn't come up with these two, and these are uh, by far two of the best. So well, I'm glad to revisit. Good stuff. All right, let's, uh, let's take an audio comment. Let's go to Jeremy. This one's actually been something we've been cogitating on for a while, and I think it's time to talk about it here in the show, John.
2: Hi, John and Dave. It's Jeremy from the UK here with a problem with iCloud and my iPad insofar as it just will not sync i've got four spreadsheets in numbers on my ipad all of which got the little arrow in the top right hand corner um, pointing upwards which clearly seems to indicate that they're not syncing by contrast numbers on my macbook pro and on the iCloud website showing some 34 documents. Um, It's the same for pages and for Keynote. Um, I also use ByWord, and it shows um, one document in iCloud on my iPad, but there are 15 ByWord text files in iCloud according to my MacBook Pro. Um, used to work okay uh, before I switched to or before i upgraded to mountain lion although to be honest i don't really think that's the issue because i wasn't really using iWork on iCloud before that um, ipad and iphone and ios is both up to date um with ios 6 documents and data are switched on um, in fact i i switched it off um in, a, in an attempt to sort of reload uh, or to reinstall Uh, uh, iCloud on my iPad and um, all the documents duly disappeared off my iPad as I expected and when I tried to reload them or when I switched documents back on again it said that iCloud was unavailable and it remains unavailable some 24 hours later so I suspect that the issue all along is that according to my iPad iCloud is unavailable and I'm not really sure about how to go about troubleshooting that. I've checked my account settings and they all seem to be okay. I really would appreciate your help chaps. I'm sure you'll deliver as you always do. Thanks very much.
0: Hey Jeremy. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. This is, this is an interesting one. Um, (sighs) Odd that it was working. And now stopped working. So let's encapsulate the problem here. He's using documents and data for specific applications and documents and data in iCloud is working fine amongst all these computers and devices except for one device. And that's his iPad. And on that, it appears that documents and data syncing is frozen in time uh, at some point in time well into the past. Am I, did I, did I do a good job there, John? I think I, I think I did to encapsulate. So, I,
1: yes. Continue, okay. Please.
0: Okay. So with that, the question is how do we, why is it stuck in time? And, and more important than the why is how do we get it out of that? You know, I, I, I love to answer the question of Why? However, if it only ever happens once, why is much less important than how to fix. Right. That I mean, that's just how it works.
1: Um, what instead of why? What instead of why? Yeah, there you go. Sure. But where? Oh,
0: yeah. It's, so it's, it's I, I have a couple of ideas. One of them is, well, he addressed. I actually have three ideas, but he dismissed one of them. One is is the account settings. Obviously, if his iPad is signed into a different iCloud account, than his Macs and, and other devices are, well, then we wouldn't expect things to sync amongst them. That's just how it works. I know it sounds obvious, but it's, you know, it's just like if your computer won't turn on checking to make sure it's plugged in. It's one of those things. It is necessary. So uh, so we throw that out there. But it sounds like he has for the sake of this discussion. Let's say that, that he's got all that in sync. And it sounds like he does. So and then there's two other things that I came up with, John. I'm hoping maybe you came up with another it said on his, when he turned it off and turned it back on, it says iCloud is unavailable. Now, we all know that there are times when iCloud's unavailable, but this has actually been going on with him for weeks. So we know that iCloud hasn't been unavailable for weeks. And so, <laughs> right, yes. it, you know, so that would make we would all know about this. So it, something about his iPad has made iCloud unavailable or something about his iCloud. iPad makes un, iCloud unavailable to it. And to me, that screams of a DNS issue. And and by DNS, uh, your computer or your iPad, when it connects to iCloud, is actually connecting to a server that's going to be, uh, you know, named something.icloud.com and or maybe something.apple.com. But what if it can't get to that, then it's going to say it's unavailable and your network settings can impact your computer's ability to get to other things on the network. So it's possible that if you're using the wrong DNS server, i.e. the thing that translates those names into numbers that the computers need, then it won't be able to get anywhere. And you fix that or check that by going into settings Uh, on your iPad. You're going to go to Wi-Fi and then whatever network is checked, you're going to hit the little blue right arrow next to it. And you want to make sure that DNS, if you tap on it, uh you erase whatever is in there and let it auto-populate. That's step one. Um try it again, see if that works. If it doesn't auto-populate or that doesn't work, for a manual DNS server, tap again on DNS and type in eight dot eight dot eight dot. John, can you guess what the last number is? Eight. You got it. That's Google's DNS server. It it works pretty well. Um I use it if I'm having trouble in a hotel or something with weird DNS. So that's another way to test it. So that's, that's number two. And then I'll throw number three
1: out here. Well, I'll add two and a half here. Go is ahead. Yeah. One yeah. That I've used Dave, I believe it's four dot four dot four dot one. Hmm. one that I've used in the past. I'm is it? I'm trying it, to remember if that was, it's one of the older ISPs, but it's a, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, DNS four four four.
0: Yeah, somebody's. It's a free public DNS server showing up somewhere out there. So, yeah, MIT public DNS at four yes. four dot four dot one and four dot four dot four dot two. That's good to know about. That's better than Google. I like that. Ah, yeah, because, because I, I remember
1: tip. in in yeah when I was fiddling with um. Yeah, with with the internet's like we all were, um, getting a reliable DNS is is uh, as as we're kind of pointing out here is very important. And if it hiccups or something like that, so uh, I would think, if anything, Dave, uh, when you do look into the DNS field uh, of whatever network set network setup that you have, um, perhaps putting. Uh, as I guess you said well first put one that you know is reliable but maybe put multiple ones because most installations will cycle through if if one is screwed yeah. up hopefully it will move over to the next one so have a few that are well known google's right. good uh, like like i pointed out here uh, MIT why the heck not sure um ones that in all likelihood will be will be up um,
0: and I believe on the iPad and in iOS in order to have multiple DNS servers listed, you have to separate them with commas so you put one in you hit comma right. you put another one in and comma and, and so on and so forth so yeah all right so that's that's two and two and a half that which which is good um it, and I will take this opportunity to both share something from and say hello to our members of the live stream chat room at maciekab. dot com slash stream. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, several people, MLV, I guess, was the first that uh, suggested removing iCloud entirely, removing the iCloud account from the iPad and putting it back on there. Um, and that that's certainly that, to me that's probably solution, uh, you know, number four. Uh, Or or whatever the last solution is, because we don't, you know, deleting things can be can be wonky, although in this case, uh, maybe the right answer. But I do have another thought, John, and that other thought is, well, what if we try to kickstart things, assuming we've got the right account and we've got right the right DNS and all of that? um, What if we kickstart things by adding a file? to iCloud from the iPad. So create a new document in pages or numbers or, you know, whatever apps he's, he's using and then save it to iCloud from the iPad. That may be enough to kick off a sync and, uh, and, and, you know, then force it to kind of say, Hey, well, wait a minute, there's other stuff here and then go, you know, it could be that there's something wonky on the iPad that's just gotten it out of sync. And, and that might, that might kick it off. And be better than, than wiping
1: it out and, and coming back. So that's. And lastly, Dave. Yes, sir. So I pasted it in the chat room here, but in the back of my mind, when you were talking about DNS, I remember back to, uh, uh, I believe I wrote an article a little while ago about this. But there is a swell, spunted whatever, a utility called Namebench, which is okay. uh, actually, it looks to be a Google open source thing.
0: Well, and it's not Namebench. from Google. I think somebody else wrote it and Both hosted it at Google. Both code hosted on Code.
1: Yeah, so code.google.com. But there's something called Namebench. And what does it do? It will benchmark your DNS server servers and tell you, hey, it's working. It's not. And hey, by the way, there's maybe a different one that you would like to punch into your uh, network settings that gives you faster performance.
0: I don't think so, there is um, a Namebench available for the iPad, though. Right. I no. think that's only, only
1: uh, for the namebench runs yeah. No, I'm looking at the page right now, so it runs on Mac OS ten, Windows, and Unix, whatever that means. So you'd
0: want to uh, run you'd want to run Namebench from a Mac or a Windows machine on the same network that you're using your iPad from, and then that'll give you right. some indication.
1: Yeah. But it's uh but yeah, it looks at a uh, Google public DNS, open DNS, ultra DNS, all these guys. So uh so may not be a bad thing to run in general because your ISPs, um, your internet provider may not be offering you the most, uh, uh, the quickest or the best uh, DNS server, which is typically what you're going to, because it's usually the address of your router, right?
0: Usually it will be. I'm also seeing Big T in the chat room is saying that uh, DNS uh, uh, namebench doesn't work on Mountain Lion. Uh, I don't know if that's been oh, fixed. Oh, darn. So that's, uh, that's, you know, something to consider. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, he says it works. So that's good to hear. All right. So that problem's either been fixed or wasn't a widespread problem. So good. Okay. Oh, you have to change a line. No, there's a, uh, there's a patch available. Um, and, uh, and we will link to that. Thank you, big T. And we'll put that in the show notes. So, uh, We will make name bench work on mountain lion. All right. right. Uh, You know what I want to do, John? I want to jump to our first sponsor here. uh, Jump away for our show. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe this is the second time we're talking about them, at least in, in recent history. Of course, uh, audible is the sponsor and they've been on the show uh, years ago. In fact, I think we were one of the first shows that they sponsored way, way, way back when, but it is great to have audible back. Uh, And if you visit, audiblepodcast.com slash MGG, you qualify for a free audiobook that is yours, whether or not you continue with any sort of uh, Audible subscription beyond that. Audible is an awesome source for audio entertainment. And since you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're the type of person that likes to learn and be entertained by things uh that work in an audio spectrum maybe you use this on your commute maybe you listen to us here when you work out but uh but you know we're only doing about an hour or so a week maybe you need more and uh and audible can help fill those gaps and the cool part about audible is they have i mean they've got zillions and zillions that is actually the number no it's actually uh more in the uh the hundred thousand plus range but uh but to you and me they have zillions of books and uh And they're great books and they're read by great people. And the cool part is you can actually listen to a sample of the book before you download uh, so that you can make sure that you and the speaker uh, or the narrator rather are compatible with one another. And uh, and so uh, it's it's great. I've had a subscription for years. I wind up using it all the time. Uh, I I've listened to all kinds of books. I listen to comedy a lot. Uh, And it's great to hear comedy books read by the person who wrote them, because typically comedians are funny and have good inflection. Uh, But other times it's not so good to hear a book read by the author and they take care of that for you. They hire a professional voice uh, over person to do the the book for you or for them. And it sounds much better than the author reading it because some people are just built to write. And that's good. Uh, One book that I am about to start is um, is a book called. Uh, you know I, the, the last one we talked about was the uh the uh the frank abignale junior book um catch me if you can uh of course that fits in with our don't get caught theme and so we had a we had a listener suggest this one to us but it it and it totally fit and i had not read this book so i'm i'm really looking forward to hearing it we have a trip coming up and i'm probably going to listen on the airplane and uh and this is a book called ghost in the wires my adventures as the world's most wanted hacker and uh, the author of the book was Kevin Mitnick.
1: Who,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, he got in trouble. Well, I'm not going to spoil the entire book, but he got in trouble for being smarter than uh, everyone else around him. And he was curious. He was, was curious. curious, and and he wound up he wound up stealing uh, the manual to the AT and T nine eleven system and making it public i don't even think i'm pretty sure i'm, I'm n- nearly certain he didn't sell. Stealing it. is such a harsh term I he, think he liberated liberating. the information uh <laughs> is what he did and he made it public and and like went to jail and lost access to computers for years as it turns out and his lawyer pointed this out in the in the proceedings i believe but as it turns out he had uh it, you could anyone could have bought this from AT&T for about 30 bucks at the time. So, it you know, things got a little blown out of proportion, but he has a really good story to tell. And actually, you know, where it kind of where it went from there is very, very interesting. So uh, that's just one of the books. You can, of course, the Steve Jobs book is out there. There's all kinds of good stuff. I highly encourage you to check it out. Audiblepodcast.com slash MGG gets you a free trial, 14 days worth of audible listener gold. But more important than that. It gets you one free book that is yours to keep whether or not you continue after the 14 days. Even if you haven't finished the book, heck, even if you haven't started the book at day 15, you still can listen. So I really encourage you. No harm, no foul, no reason not to go check it out. Audiblepodcast.com slash MGG for your free audiobook, book. And uh, I'll let you take it from there. And John, actually... I'll let you take it from there with Troy. Troy. Well, huh? Wait, what? Troy right there on the what about,
1: agenda. What about Josh? No, Josh. Oh yeah, we can do Josh. Sure. I skipped Josh. Didn't I? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you did do whichever so, one you so want. I was kind of surprised here, but either one. So uh, Josh writes, well, actually this is a, uh, I'm going to have to parse this here. So uh, I think the essence of what Josh wrote in about. So he is running, um, Xserve, OS 10 server. Right. 10.5. So what he's getting, which is a, well, I think we're going to talk about this. So he's basically getting a flood of console messages about something that's not working right. Or at least that's the start of this.
0: He's got a console message. This was interesting. So I'm going to share this a little bit. The console message is com.apple.emlog. And I think you're going to go into what that might mean for him or how to find it out. But he said he is getting, a console entry that occurs 15 times per second. And he's, uh, he said, so the, the math is crazy. It's like a hundred million entries in his nine gig system log.
1: That's bad. That's bad. Your system log shouldn't take up nine gigs. Right. So basically he wrote in and, 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 and told us about this and that's bad. And, and we've seen this before and I'm, we're going to make a general, I think general tip at some point point on how to detect any, that's polluting your console how to find out who the heck is doing it and i think that's that's really the path we went down here so basically i wrote back to him and said you know i think the real issue is who is trying to launch this em log script because that's what's happening the the message he gave us basically said launching this failed launching this failed, launching this again and again (laughs) ad nauseum (laughs) and it's terrible so um so i basically told him Uh, Look through the various, uh, one way to look through this, so actually I didn't do the obvious at first, but one thing I said is that you probably want to look through your various launch agents, launch daemons, or startup items folders, and these are things that are typically uh, uh, in one of your library folders, Dave, and that there's these subfolders that contain things that the OS will launch uh, when you start it up. Uh, The thing is, a lot of these, what they do is they they have a script that will continually try to launch something even if it fails it will do its very best to do it again and again as many as 15 times per second as he pointed out here so the first thing I said is well let's go to the man page for this thing you're seeing called emlog, log and there is a man page and if you go to the terminal and you type man space em log it'll show you what, what the heck's going on here and what I neglected Dave so man em log let me do it on this machine oh Okay, I don't get one on this machine. No, because you're not running okay. a server, right? But well, you know, it's funny, Dave. No, on on, uh, hold on, I, I I don't believe I'm mistaken here. Man, em, log, nope. Okay, so it is it, it it is installed on a non-server Mac OS, but you don't get a man page for it. So, but you can search for a man page, and I linked into that, and I said, you know, here's where you should look. And so when I linked to the man page entry for it. Uh, well, anyways, no. So he said, thanks for the message. Uh, so we're going to the more of the conversation here. Thanks for the message. I was able to find the script file. So it's basically, a, I think, a Perl script that launches it. Yep. But I'm a little, a loss for finding out who's trying to launch it. In Activity Monitor, I suspect... Uh, okay, we don't need the rest of this. um Then I got back to him and said, oh, well, the man page that I told you about earlier, that actually shows you. So, so there's two aspects to this. So number one, the man page for a command in this case, emlog, will show you, oh, well, by the way, um, the thing that launches this, and it listed right here at the end of the man page, which uh, whoever wrote the man page, hats off to you, you did a good job, Uh, slash system, slash library, slash launch daemons, slash com.apple.emlog.plist, that is the file that is trying to launch, emlog. So, one way to solve this problem, Dave, is to get rid of that. that's one way if you and then if you get rid of that file and 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 the purpose of emlog is still kind of fuzzy to me and and i don't have a server installation so i can't really see what it does but if you want to eliminate the immediate problem of launch daemons trying because what happens is if something is in launch daemons typically what will happen is if it can't launch it as we've seen it'll try to do it again and again and again because it's stupid right it doesn't understand and it should, I, I wish it would, but it doesn't understand that the launch attempt failed. And so it keeps trying to do it. Well, and that's Well, really it does annoying. understand that it failed and that's why it keeps trying, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that,
0: no, seriously, that that's sort of the, the whole idea is, is that, you know, if it's told to keep mm-hmm. launching now, it, it could be, I agree that it could be smarter and it could say, Hey, if we failed, you know, the last, hundred times we've tried this or maybe even the last 10 times. Okay. Mate. That's me talking with my hands and hitting the mic wow. uh, that, you know, maybe that's not such a good thing. You know, we, maybe we need to alert the user in a better way, but you know, that's uh that's not how it works right. at the moment. Yeah. So, so
1: one, one, I pointed to the man page and identified the task and launch statements. Number two, and this is a general search thing, because initially this is what I did, Dave, in in the finder, there is a find feature, but normally, so my thought was, well, let me do a find for EM log. Yeah, you won't find find that in the finder. You won't, unless you do the find feature, and then you go to system files, and you say included, or system files are included, then you will find the script file that is launching EM log
0: yeah so the way to do that this is actually a great tip and and perhaps the the point of this. Um, but if you go in the into the finder and go uh, into the file menu and choose find, you will get this sort of advanced find window and you can in the upper right, as you would expect, you can type the the search terms that you're going to look for and then as you go down looking more toward the left of that window, Uh, You see where you're searching and you can either search this Mac, which is going to be the whole thing, or whatever folder you were selected on is there next. And what John's talking about is the third line down, uh, which typically starts with kind is any. Uh, But you can change that and you can do a little drop down there. And many things can be in this drop down system files is the one that John mentioned uh, it is not in this drop down by default, however, you need to add it by going all the way to the bottom and choosing other. And then scroll in this very long list or search this list that shows up of all these things that uh, that are available. You can search by tempo, uh, for example, you can search by um, resolution width of uh, of of an image. You can search by red eye, whether that was on or off. I mean, there's tons and tons of these things, these search attributes that you can that you can find by very, very powerful. But Apple doesn't turn them all on because otherwise that list would be like 16 pages long. Uh, But but in here, it tells you what they each do. And then there's a very important checkbox to the right that says in menu. And if you check that, it will then be in the menu. And that's what you want to do with system files. And then, as John said, once you select system files, you get the contextual option to decide whether they aren't or are included in your search results.
1: And I think that's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, what strikes me, though, is what E.M. does uh, is from what I can tell, it's a process that will search through another log file and find suspicious network activity. Now this I didn't really come up with anything because I'm not running server. I, I could have installed it, I suppose, but I didn't. Sorry, <laughs> um, but there is a slash /etc/emond.d/rules slash slash file uh, or directory, and within that directory is different rule sets. So, because the other question you brought up is, I've read somewhere that EM log is part of a detection system for brute force login attempts. Could this be the case? If so, how would I track down and subsequently return fire? Well, I don't know if I recommend that. That sounds kind of fun. But um, I believe that if this was working properly, so it sounds like it's just not set up right. Yeah. Um, But I believe uh, the system log in the console would be the place that these alerts would be if oh, it was set up right no that's where they were appearing that was his whole problem System system well, was nine gigs. errors well right but uh, but i'm saying if uh, the action if it was working properly system log is probably where you'd also see alerts oh. that this process was drawing from a log file saying yeah this kind of looks crazy sure so uh check it out although so i think i mean i uh, we solved the immediate problem i think is that if you get rid of this you know, PLIST file, then it won't try to keep launching this uh, forever. Um, As far as how to fix it, I don't know if removing it on, on server, removing this PLIST file will then cause the system to say, Oh, that's missing. Let me create another good working one. And then life is good.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, I don't know about this
1: particular one. And I think that sort of goes beyond
0: the scope of what we, do it here anyway, because it gets a little bit too focused, but yeah. No, go it, beyond. Come well, on, Dave, go beyond. No, we, we have it, to go beyond for the listeners. Yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to go into M-Log any deeper though. <laughs> it's, it's just not, there's not enough people worried. There's like one guy I who understand. worries about it. Yeah. But, um, but no, in a general sense, what you said is, is right. Finding, you know, deleting a P-List, to force it to be recreated often can be the thing to solve these kinds of problems, regardless of what it is. It could obviously be with M log, but it could be with anything that you're having this trouble with. So yeah, that's good. Correct. That's good. All right. Now time for Troy. That's yours Me too. Again? Yeah, man. Oh, man, you got, you got, you picked up more in this one. I think you prepped better questions than I did. So, wow. you know, I threw mine out. And you and know, it's so much in. fun.
1: You know what I love about preview? And I just found this out. So, um, Normally, if I'm in a browser, I will hit Command L to to go to the URL section. Well, if I'm in Preview, you know what Command L does? It rotates the document. Oh, nice! Really hard.
0: Hey, do you (laughs) want to share your little quick Preview tip that you that you learned? Because explain your workflow briefly.
1: You know how you're using Preview while we're doing the show here. People might find that interesting. Right. So Paul gave us this tidbit, and this is a great time to bring it up, Dave. So normally, what I do is a so when we do the pre-show, what happens is that Dave and I will both take the emails that we've responded to and print them. Get ready for this. We print them as PDFs. Yes, you can do this. And this is actually a really nice feature of, well, pretty much any operating system. If you dig deep enough, will let you do this, not just Mac, but Windows. But if you say print, often you will get an option saying print to PDF. And that's what we do. So we print to PDFs, put it in our uh, transporter folder or whatever service we're using right now, Transporter. Right. Uh, And then what I do is I load all of the PDF files that has the email and uh, typically my response or Dave's response. And then I load them in preview. And when the next question comes up and like someone's name is mentioned, well, I go into preview and go into the search field and search for that name and it comes up in front of me. So I think I'm prepared. (laughs) Seems to work. But what happened on my system, Dave... And uh, I, I, I was complaining about this and, and our friend Paul got back to me telling me how to solve this problem. So if you go into preview, apparently the default operation or the default behavior is not what I want. Well, explain so the behavior. Preview, you skip that. So what happened to me is that in prior shows, I would highlight all of the PDFs uh, that were a result of Dave and I outputting our emails and responses. And I would I would highlight them all and go to preview and say Open. What would happen, though, is that it would open them in separate window menus. And then if I went to the window menu, there would be multiple entries. Which, which makes sense. That,
0: I mean, it makes sense and no, it to doesn't. have that as default behavior. Sure. You just told this application to open, you know, six documents. It stands to reason you'd want them in six different windows.
1: You might not. But in a general no. sense, that would be an intuitive well, thing. Well... Uh, and and what happens, Dave, is that apparently the default behavior preview is somewhere in the middle. So if you go into preview and you go to general, there will be an option saying when opening files. One option is open all files in one window. That's what I wanted. But that's not the default behavior. The default behavior is in the middle. Open groups of files in the same window. And that's what it was doing to me. And I didn't want it to. That then I didn't want groups. I wanted a single window. If for nothing else, the search functionality is that I didn't have to bop between the windows that both contain multiple documents to search for the, the name of the person or the issue I was looking for. And then the third option in that window, Dave is open each file in its own window, which I personally, I would not want. Right. Personally, my preference is the first one. So he, he sent in a tip and it works great. And that I went to that, menu and said, open all files in one window. And that's what I want. Exactly. So.
0: That's awesome. You know what? We're going to talk about another preview tip that I read about on Mac Observer today. Ooh, nice. Sandro Cuccio did this. Uh, if this is new in Mountain Lion, but it's cool. Uh, if you're in uh, previews preferences uh, as as you are and you're on the general tab, which is the far left tab. If you're in Mountain Lion, your far right tab says signatures, Now you've heard us talk about adding signatures to PDFs before preview now lets you do it right there. Uh, So you, uh, you go to signatures and if you haven't done this yet, you say create signature and what happens and I hope I don't screw up the show by doing this is it fires up your camera and it says, uh, sign your name in black ink on a small piece of white paper and then hold the paper up to your max camera. So your signature rests on the blue line. And so I'm doing that right now as we're talking and, uh, and you get your signature resting on the line. And I say, accept. And uh, in theory, it doesn't do anything. Hey, that's great. So maybe I Mm -hmm. did something wrong. Um, What's that? Well, that's, yeah, that's how we do this live. So uh, we come in, I get it resting on the line and I'll try it one more time. There. Ah, you have to wait until it actually gets your signature. And once you hold it on the line, it it scans your signature in. And now it saved this in uh, right there in my preview. So now I can sign documents by pasting this in and it's going to be a transparent thing. So it'll let the background through. And uh, and I did this all on the fly here in about. uh, Well, you heard it in about 30 seconds. So that's uh, now I'm throwing away the paper with my signature on it because I don't need it anymore. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. You know, the stuff, the stuff out this, that yeah, the stuff Apple does. Um, let's uh, let me see where we are time wise here. Yeah. Let's um, you know what? I want to talk about our second sponsor, John, and that is Go. gazelle. Uh, if you have uh, an iPhone, an old MacBook, an old iMac, an old iPad, any tablet, Any iPod, any old cell phone that you aren't using anymore or perhaps that you want to trade up. Gazelle is the place that you go to buy your uh, they're going to buy. You don't go there to buy. You go there to sell. Sell. Thank you, John. You do go there to sell and they uh, they will buy your old stuff. You tell them about it. Gazelle.com. You go in, you click a couple things, you pick what model it is, blah, blah, blah. They ask you some questions very, very quickly. And then they tell you what they'll pay you for it. And if you like what they're going to pay you for it, they ship you a box. So far, you've paid nothing and you don't pay anything. They pay the shipping in both directions. The box arrives with the simplest instructions I've ever seen. You take your device. They already know what size box they need to send you because you they know what you're going to send them. You put your device in the box. It's custom built for the device that you're sending them packing material and all you put it in, you seal it up. They give you, they even give you the tape and of course, a new label to slap on the box. You do all that. You send it back to them via whatever carrier they they've asked. And uh, again, they're paying the shipping. Once they get it, they open the box, go through, make sure everything is as it should be. And if it is as expected, they send you the money they said they'd send you. If they disagree for whatever reason, something costs more or they 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 figure something's worth more or something is worth less than the estimate, they'll let you know and they'll let, they won't do anything until you make a decision. Your decision can be, yep, I'll take the new offer, send me the money, or nope, I don't like your offer, send it back. And they send it back again, covering the shipping back to you. Check it out, gazelle.com. It's one of the coolest things. They make it so easy and, uh, and they are great people to work with. I've, I've sent tons of stuff to them and it's always gone very smoothly. We've heard from tons of you about how well their customer service works. And they, they really, from all the experiences we've heard from you, they go the extra mile for everyone. Even, you know, last month we were talking about a guy, they went the extra mile for him because he decided not to sell his, his device to them. Even after he said, yeah, I'll take it, you know? So, uh, check them out gazelle.com really happy to have him as a sponsor and uh and I think you'll be happy if you need to if you have some electronics you need to get rid of check them out gazelle.com all right john uh let's do troy we've got a couple of good yeah you know, a couple
1: three here that uh, Troy's got good some tips. good stuff yeah so troy says so i've switched to using a mac for work awesome awesome what i want to do is when mail messages come in that I need to actually do something with (laughs) versus uh, emails like about a Nigerian princes and uh, yeah. Okay. So I see where he's going here Uh, that I need to actually do something with. I'd like to move that message to reminders and have it create a reminder automatically so I can kill the email from my inbox For example, I need a report run that gives me X data by Friday. It would be great to drag and drop this message into the reminders and have it create a reminder just like Outlook can do with tasks. Another another thing that Windows seems to be able to do that Mac can't. Oh, my gosh, Dave. We got to come to the rescue. That's Uh, right. So he says, I'm trying to stay native with the mail calendar and reminders. Ideas? Question mark. Troy in Chicago. Well, I have two things for Troy, Dave. So one, in mail, a rule can be used to run an apple script. okay, so this gets a little deep, and then you got to go into the preferences and look at rules and and you can set up a rule so that if certain things happen, whether the text in the message is a certain thing, and you know there's too much to go through right now, but basically, you can take a, a really rich number of conditions looking at an email and then say okay if if it if it satisfies these, like I can imagine here if if Uh, you know, the staff knows that you put the word schedule or something in, in the subject line, you could then create a mail rule to act on this. But mail, you know, mail can do a certain number of things within its own little world. But if you want to get out of its own little world, well, there's something called Apple script and you can certainly set up a mail rule to run an Apple script. So I found one article here, Dave, which is basically a little article that responds to the question, has anyone scripted Mountain Lions Reminders app yet, and it basically tells you how to do that in Apple Script? So that is answer, or, or that's piece number one here. I'm not giving you the whole solution. Okay, I'm not. I'm not giving you the whole, whole solution. And then the second part of this, Dave, is um, and so it wasn't quite direct here, but I did find an article. Uh, although iCal, I, I did find a tip that said how to set up iCal reminders from Mail. So hmm. so close, but not quite. Right. Right, but I figured that pointing him to this workflow, and we'll link to it, of course. Um, but I think this would be good guidance here. So, so, so I'm suggesting a combination of things. So, number one, again, write a mail rule that launches an Apple script that can then talk to reminders, and then number two, look at this example of how you could do this in the past with iCal reminders. Yeah, this will hand. totally work together.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. You just tell, use the, the tell application mail command and then tell application reminders and you're good to go. Yep. Yeah. You can marry these two together easily.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. that was my intent. And, uh, well, he wrote back and said, yeah, I'll dig in. So it it'll take a little, uh, Apple script foo, if anything, and that you will have to learn how to create an Apple script. But there's plenty of examples online of how to do this. You know, I and wrote I just, one about a month
0: ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did. Yeah. You I wrote got a f- code. Wow. I Actually, I, I, write, I, I write code no. all the time. You just don't. Well, you see the results of it. Not C code. Not C code. No, <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, it's been the last time I wrote C code. I was a matriculated student at the University of Connecticut. I, yeah.
1: I, I'm pretty sure. Whereas, you know, that's my bread and butter. Oh, I know. Pearl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, many I know. years. Yeah. Though I actually would like to dabble with because I, I imagine you do your work in in Pearl? no I, oh, php it, php php uh for the
0: web stuff and i do quite a bit of apple script which is which is what mm-hmm. i was sort of mm-hmm. going after um because we uh you know because people people like to use apple script so i'm trying to find this article that i did and i'm not sure why i can't find it you'd think i'd be able to do that at tmo i forget what i called it um but uh, but i will find it and uh oh i wrote about automator so actually yeah yeah, yeah never mind yeah, 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 And now I'm confused. I've got myself confused. You know why I have oh my myself gosh. confused, John? So I'm going to share my little tech tip from, from this weekend. No, this was cool. Okay. So I was, I, um, I got roped in, it's fine to do the sound for my daughter's, uh, annual dance recital. Now it's not just her dancing. It's everybody at her school. And they do this at this, uh, high school over in Maine at Noble high school. And, uh, And it's it's an interesting thing. There's I mean, there's there's actually three recitals yesterday that we did sound for one at 10 a.m., one at 2 p.m. and one at seven. And they're all different uh, recitals. So there were, I don't know, probably 60 different numbers that that we did uh, that we did. And they've got this, John, they have this awesome setup at this high school. I mean, it's totally I, I don't know how they justified spending all the money to build this theater, But uh, but I think it pays off for them because they do a lot at the school. And then and then they rent it out for things like this. But it's this killer theater holds maybe maybe a thousand people. And uh, they've got this killer sound system in there. They have Mm -hmm. two sets of speakers. I've never worked a system like this before. Uh, They have, you know, speakers at at the front of the, you know, at the front of the stage aiming out. And then about Mm -hmm. halfway back in the crowd, they have another set of speakers uh, to to get the sound to the back of the hall. But they actually Mm -hmm. have tuned the room and del- and put the second set of speakers on a delay right so that the sound hits everybody simultaneously i mean this is totally pro that's kind of uh, clever oh dude well that's it's how it, really good it's how it's you know it's how the pros do it but you just i'm just not used to seeing this in these kind of places so anyway um my my job uh and and there was another guy running the lights and so my job in this was uh, there were many facets the main job was put on a headset uh once the teacher says on the headset the girls are ready to dance i hit play on the cd player and then i adjusted the levels in the eq to make sure whatever song that was playing sounded good in the room and the girls did their dance but because i was looking at the cd player i knew where the time you know what the time was in any given song and these dances were about two minutes a piece you know sometime some long some a little longer but you know that was about it so if the light uh, if the guy running the lights needed a cue at, say, 22 seconds, it was up to me to give him that cue. Right. Because I could see the time on the on the CD player. So it was like, fine. So, at first, you know, the first night of dress rehearsals, I'm going through and I wrote, I wrote up this huge sheet of cues and what he needed. And I thought, well, this sucks because I got to look at it in the dark. And uh, and then I thought, no, 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 I'm going to use my iPad. And so I opened up pages and I just typed all the cues in. And so now my iPad has a backlight. I don't need light. I'm good to go. And I saw it and it was like, oh, this is great. And then they do this ballet and they gave us four a four page cue sheet that it's a 30 minute ballet that, uh, so that was, you know, we, we probably had 25 different lighting cues that I had to call through this ballet. And, uh, and it's on, you know, it's four pages of things. And I'm not, like, I'm not going to type that in. I'll just read it. And so for the dress rehearsal, I read it and I like held it on a little light that I had on the soundboard. And I had to kind of keep looking back and forth at the paper versus the time code, which was off to my right. And it was sort of a pain. And so yesterday I thought, wait, this is crazy. I don't need to do this. You know, I all I need to do is. And I started, I'm like, maybe I could set up my iPad to like light this piece of paper so that I could have it where I wanted it. I thought, no, 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 that's silly. I took a picture of each page of this thing and put it in the photos app. And then I just scrolled through the photos app as the ballet was going on. And I had my pages all backlit and I didn't have to type anything in. It was like a cheap, you know, poor man's scanner kind of thing on the fly. Nice. Yeah. So I was like, hey, that's that's how technology should work the stuff that you have there should be able to solve your problem. And it was great, you know, so it's fun. So I figured I'd share that tip because it took me, you know, 18 hours to figure out that, Hey, dumb, dumb, you can use the camera on your iPad for more Mm -hmm. than just taking like, you know, stupid videos where you're holding your iPad up in the air. I'm like, there's a reason that this thing has a camera on the back of it. And this was it. It was, it was brilliant. It worked (laughs) great. You know, so it was good. Like, like the great kazoo. dum dumb.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I still think in general, pe- people holding up their iPads, taking pictures in a uh, uh, group events. look kind of silly?
0: It looks silly. Right. But, but this is, this was one of those times where having that camera yeah. on the back of the iPad was like, aha, this is perfect. Mm. Cause it let me s- effectively scan this thing and, uh, and do it, you know? So it was, that was, that was one of my, you know, awesome. Hey, Technology, technology wins moments, you know, so it was good. Nice. I, the other one was, I didn't want to have to keep turning. I wanted to watch the ballet cause my daughter was in it. Uh-huh. And, uh, but the time code for the CD player was, you know, to, to the right. And I mm. couldn't watch the ballet. So, uh, for the final ballet last night, I thought, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So I launched the, uh, the clock app on my iPhone and mm-hmm. I started the timer on that at the same time that I started the C D and then I was able to take my iPhone and put it in front of me on the board and I could just watch it and uh, you know, along it went. So it was good. So two technological wins on the fly.
1: So Wow. I know we're just not even getting we're just It's how we roll. The agenda here is just we're we're slogging through it here. We're getting all sorts of good side chatter here. Well, that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we got through Troy. Now, how about uh, Sarah, you think? Yeah, Sarah says this morning, when I woke up my
0: MacBook Pro uh, 15-inch Retina, uh, I got a message that my startup disk did not have enough memory to run applications. Good grief. How could this be? I have a 750-gig solid-state drive, and it has 157 gigs free. Um, you know, did we talk about this before or did I just talk about this with somebody else? We
1: have, well, well, no, Dave, we have talked about this. I I distinctly remember a detailed troubleshooting session with someone trying to help them figure this out. And we came to the same conclusion. And I think you have the same recommendation. So, so this is an issue that has come up in the past, but I I think it's a, this is fresh enough. No,
0: this is new. That's right. Yeah, it is new. I'm looking at the date on it. Okay. So, um, all right. So, yeah, she says, um, she writes, she says, I have a 750 gig solid state drive uh, and it's got 157 gigs free on it because uh, I run iStat menus. I could see that the memory was full. We've definitely done this one. There's I, I, I am nearly certain that we have done this one, that we did this one last week. In fact, I am so certain that we're, we're I'm going to I'm going to jump really? to the end in case yeah in case somebody missed it but um but uh she the the trick with this is maybe we didn't I don't know it seems so familiar um it, the issue is she ran out of space on her on her on her solids on her SSD drive with 158 gigs free which is crazy and so She suggested maybe she has an application with a memory leak, but she didn't know how to find it. And the trick to finding it is one of two things. And I'm certain we've talked about this or maybe we talked about it in post show. I don't know. Uh, If you can launch activity monitor, you can see it. Uh, You can uh, you can go to the system memory tab at the bottom uh, and look at how much memory is. Is uh, is available, and what you're probably going to see is swap used is a huge number. Probably in your case, you know, hundreds of gigabytes. In order to find out what application is causing that to happen, you go and sort by the real memory column in Activity Monitor, and uh, and right there you will see the thing at the top is the thing eating all of your RAM, and if you can quit that app, that will solve your problem. Yeah, we, I, I, yeah, people in the chat room are saying we've talked about this a couple of months ago, so not last week, but recently. But uh, but that that will happen. It happens to me sometimes where you get an app, you know, a new update or something that just starts. It starts eating, asking for RAM, but not releasing RAM. And uh, and you need to let it, you know, it, it and it will it will spill over and start eating up your disk until your disk is full. Now, the problem is, if your disk is full, you can't launch activity monitor. And that's one of the handy things about running istat menus is in istat menus you can see what processes are eating all your RAM right there in uh in the little drop down for memory. So that's that's why I one of the reasons I love istat menus. So
1: yeah, this question came up a couple days ago. Excuse me. Yeah, go ahead. I I haven't found it, Dave, but where is uh, I'm trying to remember here. It's some combination that's just not clicking with me, but where is swap stored? That's a good question. And it this is, this
0: is part of the, it's, it's a necessary evil of the way we use OS 10. Okay. When, O oh, swap space. And let's, let's talk about what this is. Swap space is when your computer doesn't have enough physical RAM for whatever, uh space applications are asking for in general and when it doesn't it starts saving things from physical ram off to the disk this is a oversimplification but it it gets the job done it saves these things off to disk makes some room in physical ram loads in whatever the application wants and it's called swap space because it's swapping it in and out the system can't really use what's on the disk from the disk it has to read it in and uh, and so it's swapping space in physical RAM for space on the disc and vice versa, back and forth, back and forth. And that can cause what's called disc thrashing, where you're constantly reading or writing to the disc and things get really, really, really slow. So um, and, and this is this is not just an OS 10 thing. This is in any Unix, really any modern operating system does this and it's handy. Most Unixes, when you set them up. What you do is you carve out a partition on your hard drive and dedicate that to swap. So you can decide, okay, look, I've got eight gigs of physical RAM in this machine. I don't want to use any more than, say, four gigs of swap. If I'm there, you know, something's wrong. I've overstepped my bounds and I need to rethink my architecture. So you create a four gig swap partition and that's the maximum that your computer will use for swap. But more importantly, it's a different partition than anything else, i.e. where you store your documents or your system data. And so when you hit the end of your swap space, you still have room to save things to disk or move things around. And, and so that's a great thing. Well, when we had to upgrade from OS nine to OS 10, we all had (laughs) single partition volumes as we still Mm -hmm. do today. Right. And so Apple had to figure out a way to make it so that we could go from OS nine, which was not a Unix based operating system to OS 10, which was. And one of the hurdles they had to figure out was, okay, well, people are going to want to upgrade. We have to give them a path to upgrade. And they did. But what are we going to do about swap space? We can't make people carve out a partition because that's going to get funky and we got to have, you know, destructive disk editing and all that crazy things. So what they did was they said, well, you know what? We're just going to store swap in a folder. Uh, and the way they do it, it I mean, it's listen, it, it's, it's ingenious. Uh, but what they do is they store the swap in files on your Mac. And they start with one file at 64 megs in size. If you need more than that, it creates another file. And that next file is 128 megs in size. If you need more than that, well, you can probably guess along with me. 256 megs in size, right? So it keeps adding files. Uh, and the next one's 512, and then the next one's 1 gig, and everyone after that is 1 gig. And actually, the second one might also be 64 megs now that I'm looking at it the right way. It is. Yeah, thank you. So, okay, so there's two 64s, and then we go 128, 256, 512, um, and then 1 gig until forever. So y- it will never create a file more than 1 gig, but it'll just keep creating 1 gig files until you run out of space. Uh, and it, the system's smart. If you quit apps and free up RAM, and it frees up swap because of that, uh, it will
1: delete these files and give and and you can reclaim that that disk space. Though sometimes I've noticed slowly. Mm-hmm. So for those that are that. running into, and I've seen this. No, I've mm-hmm. seen it, and and I've had you know a number of listeners and other people tell me this. If you immediately quit a RAM hungry app don't expect the ram uh, don't expect the OS to immediately release the memory it will happen over time you will see it though if you look at uh something like istat menus or I'm going to tell you where else to look Dave I want to inject this here yeah tell me slash private slash var slash vm that is where the virtual memory swap files are yep. and not surprisingly they are named swap file zero swap file one swap file two etc with these sizes that you mentioned, like I'm looking right now when I see one that's 67108888, then the other one is also that size and then the, the next one is double that size. So they they intelligently allocate space so it's not too too much, but not too little, but just right. Yep. But I remember that way, way in the past day we had somebody and, and we actually found the problem is that when we said, hey, by the way, can you tell us what you see in private slash VAR slash VM? They're like, yeah, I see swap file 40, and it's like, oh, OK, that's your problem <laughs> And that this app went out of control and was creating and was making the OS, which thought it was doing the right thing to create infinite, uh, almost infinite swap files. It oh, was, it's it not hilarious. quite infinite. It'll it'll end
0: when you run when, out of space. When,
1: when the OS says, gee, I don't have any space left to do anything else. Duh. Yeah.
0: Swap is handled just like everything else. Swap is handled by its own process. It's called dynamic pager uh dynamic underscore pager and you can see this in activity monitor and it actually will use some cpu when it's especially when it's deleting out this swap so you know you can see it um sort of doing its thing once you've quit apps if you launch activity monitor it'll sort of float up near the top maybe using five or six percent as it you know does its its house cleaning and and frees up your space for you but uh but the problem with with this this path that that Apple chose to take is that it will do exactly what you've heard and it will fill up the disc. There's no way to set a maximum amount of swap space as it's set up by default. Now you could go in and edit. There's a plist file. You can edit and have it save your swap somewhere else. So you could create, no, 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 you can do this. You can create a partition when well, you uh, can do it, I don't know if it means you should do it. Well, no, there's... I mean, it, mm. I don't recommend turning off
1: your your swap, which you can. Oh, no, I, that's crazy talk. I know, but... Because to okay. me, that's second-guessing the OS. and so the, To me, that's an invitation for disaster.
0: Disaster, right.
1: Yeah. Because the OS, I think, in general, expects the ability to be able to, to write out the swap when it needs to. Right. If you turn that off, which you can if you think you know what you're doing, well you know, more power to you, but <laughs> yeah, we're not going to help you. Right, right, <laughs> right, right.
0: But, but there is, um, there is a file and I believe I'm going to look here very, very quickly. Uh, there's a file, a P list file that you can edit and it will. Yeah. So the P list file is system library, launch demons, com dot apple dot dynamic pager dot P list demons. Well, whatever you want to call it. Um, And there is a string in there uh, that says slash private slash var slash VM slash swap file. And if you change the location of that to something like, say, volumes slash swap slash swap file, then that's where it will save your swap files. So you could create a separate thing. I wouldn't do it on an external drive heaven forbid that external drive becomes disconnected or unavailable, your system will stop working immediately. So this swap thing is integral to the way mm-hmm. the system works. So it relies on it being there a hundred percent of the time. But if you create another partition, you can do this and it will, you know, save you against these, these sort of memory leaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, that's just how it is. So there you go. A little tour about swap. So a little something different than we did, than we, than we addressed when we talked about this the last time. Yeah yeah take us out with or, be, uh, take us to Aaron take us out of this issue with Aaron wait Aaron really
1: that's oh. the next one. why not well, it's, wait, a, it's now, a little now, cool now, stuff uh, found it, but it's good hey and I'm in a single window here so I have Aaron yeah. what does Aaron have to say Dave you may be asking yourself and I'm going to tell you Aaron writes I know you guys have talked about better zip before but here's a pretty spiffy plug-in for a quick look that allows you to easily see the contents of your archives just by pressing the space bar. The truly nifty thing is it does, it doesn't handle just zip files, but tar BZ, RAR, sit, heck, heck. Oh, okay. Even RPMs, which are red, uh, red book package manager, I think, uh, red, Uh, red hat, Linux, red hat. I'm sorry. Yep. I got close (laughs) or windows cab files. So he looks to, well, This is pretty much it. So quick look is the facility within Mac OS 10, which lets you highlight a file in the finder and do extra things with it. And this is an add on for it. I like it. Very cool. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good one. I like that. Good stuff. Yeah. I think the OS offers this, but not, not, not nearly at this level of detail or for all the formats that he's talking about here. So uh, I could see getting very addicted uh, to having
0: this on my machine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, you punched it in too. I did. Yeah, that's, I could, uh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it on right now. Jonah. Are you sold? Are you sold? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, because I, you know, you get zip files all the time and you don't necessarily want to open them just to see what's in them. And it, that's what, Though oh, I thought this does. in, though I thought in, hold on here Oh, you can watch. do it at the terminal.
1: You can, you Well, can, no, but I thought there's a way if you go into the, uh, cover flow view. You can see the contents. Not, not zip files. No.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Ah, That's good stuff. I like it. Very cool. Very
1: cool. Awesome. Oh Uh, oh my goodness. Where are we? I think we're almost at the
0: end time wise. Yeah. I've got it. You know, I've got a little tip though from, uh, from Robin in the last show. I believe. Yeah. In the last show we were talking about laptops and sleep modes and hibernate modes and
1: all oh, of that good stuff. Good one. This is evil. I think.
0: Yeah. She says, uh, uh, I was listening hidden. to last night's show and the issue some people were having waking up their laptops from sleep. I was having a similar issue and tracked down the cause. It is a new standby capability built into the latest laptops rather than let me explain below is a copy of the article I saved to Evernote. Uh, she uh, and then and then goes through. I'm trying to think if this is worth. Yeah, you know this is worth sharing uh, for those of you with with newer MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs. Uh, my main machine is a MacBook Pro with Retina. I carry it at work every day and use it on and off throughout the day, mostly in meetings. At home, I use it connected to a 27 inch Thunderbolt display, which powers the laptop and charges the battery. Uh, after opening the lid, it pretty instantly shows the password dialog box. But that UI is a lie. And I've seen this on my air. In reality, what is immediately shown is a screenshot of what the screen looked like when it went to sleep. The UI, although visible, is not functional for almost 10 seconds. You can most easily tell that this is happening by watching the clock display in the upper right. Uh, Right after opening the lid, it will show the incorrect time, i.e. the time when it went to sleep. And after eight to 10 seconds, the time will become accurate. And this is the signal that you can start typing your password to unlock things. What is actually happening is that these new MacBook pros and airs have a new power saving mode called standby standby mode kicks in after the laptop has been in normal sleep for an hour. When that happens, the contents of Ram are written to the hard drive and Ram is powered down to further extend battery life. So instead of the computer making this That's decision, like hibernate kind of, kind of, but what's cool is instead of the computer making this decision at sleep time it's making it after the fact so if i put my computer to sleep and come back 10 minutes later and wake it up it's instantly available but if i let it sleep for five hours and come back it takes the extra 10 seconds but it has extended my battery life so i think it's actually pretty cool uh that it does this um, so and you can you know pm set still lets you you know pm set from the uh from the command line lets you adjust this and there is a a um A switch called standby delay and you can set the standby delay from anywhere between one hour and 24 hours um to do this of course it requires going to the terminal uh and using the the pm set command but it would be sudo space pm set space dash a space standby delay all together no spaces and then another space and then however many seconds you want so 24 hours would be Eight, six, four, zero, zero. Cause that's how many seconds it is. One hour would be 3,600 seconds. So pick your poison in there, but that's pretty cool. I, I like this. This is a good tip. So thanks Robin. Thoughts on that, John. Yeah. It's kind of secret, man. I don't like it. <laughs> it is kind of secret. Um, You know, all right. And then we got one more, one more question from Ken that I will, uh, that I will, I think I will take out right yes no really i
1: thought so but i uh i'm not finding it in here did i not put um i i see something from ken about authentication
0: yeah do, do you have the file i don't think i have the file do you have it in your uh, uh in your pdf list there
1: no no it got oh i got well, lost no i'm searching in the shuffle i'm doing well i'm doing spotlight but it's not finding it there. But let me uh, because uh-uh. usually if it—that's usually I, got what it. I use to find the things. I got it. Oh, it was in uh, it was in last week's show. Ken got it. Writes
0: uh, he says I have a question about the new two-step authentication process that Apple has implemented. Before I add it, it says if I understand correctly, whenever two-step authentication kicks in, I'll need to have one of my iOS devices—the one I registered when signing up—handy. Because Apple will send a code that will show up on that device and that device only. Presumably, I'd use my iPhone since that's always with me. But I also understood that the times it would be needed are, number one, changing iCloud account settings. Number two, buying something from Apple. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. it. says, if I'm sharing my account with others in my family, that is they, the wife or kids, share my licenses for music or apps, does that mean they won't be able to purchase using my account? Or even update Mac apps because they won't have access to the physical device. Or have I misunderstood how it works? Okay, good questions because this stuff is confusing and Apple didn't really do a good job of making it all that clear. In fact, the only way I made it clear is by going through it and sort of dealing and living with it on
1: my end. I haven't I'm, touched it because I'm afraid. Yeah, so it's all it's, this uncertainty.
0: It, it, it It's not that. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was I with you.
1: Enough people shake their fist about it that I'm like. I don't think they got it quite right. The, no, we'll just step back here.
0: Well, they didn't get it quite right. And I'll explain that at the end, but, but the net is, it's really not, it's never caused me any inconvenience. And here's why okay. um, you're right. That when you have to do these things, some of the time that you have to do these things, Apple will force you to do this two-step authentication. And what that means is you type in your password as you always have. And then it says, okay, I just sent a code to your trusted device. You need to tell me what that code is. And that makes sure that like, if John commandeers my password, well, as long as he doesn't have one of my trusted devices or my trusted device, uh, then he doesn't get the code and he can't get in. Right. I know you do. You've stolen my iPhone. I know you cloned it. It's like person of interest. It's cool. Um, But the thing is, it's not, it doesn't have to be just one device. You can add multiple devices to your Apple account for the two-step authentication. So I've added my iPad. I've added my iPhone. I've added my wife's iPhone, but I've also added our phones via SMS. So, and and it doesn't have to be an iPhone at that point. So you can have it sent to just regular SMS as well. So between all of those options, it's never really been an issue, but here's the thing. Um, I've added two-step to my, you know, my world here, um, I did it, whatever it was three, four weeks ago, maybe, maybe a little more. And at up until now, Lisa and the kids have not had to go through it for my stuff. Um, and they've bought stuff from my account on their devices and it hasn't been a problem. I don't know when it's going to kick in for that stuff. If it'll kick in, I have seen it kick in when I buy other things, but, uh, but it's, it, you know, it's, Apple has aired on the side of being less secure versus more secure. And the most important thing is it really is only for those couple of things. Your email, not protected by two-step. Your calendar, not protected by two-step. Your contacts, not protected by two-step. So it's not a full feature. It is really only your account details that are protected by two-step. And that's good. But it's, you know, important to know that it's not, Everything. It's not all encompassing yet. So it's uh, so that's what it is. That's
1: how it goes. That's how we roll. I think basically trust no one.
0: Oh, no, no, no. trust, but verify. That's the parents mantra. (laughs) Right. That's right. Trust was going on. The the whole uh, X, X files theme. You got getting me back on X files now. Didn't I rant about that last week? Needing some other show like it a person of interest is okay that's that's sort of feeding that but not really. i i never got on that you yeah. might like it you might like it it's something you know um
1: it's something uh, ever since fringe i know fringe well, was fringe was 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 my my love and I, me too yeah
0: <clears throat> i i mean I'm you know lost. fringe
1: well, fringe and I, Buffy.
0: Well, I, yeah,
1: that's long ago.
0: <laughs> I liked fringe for, for many reasons. It had all the conspiracy stuff, up, but, um, it, it, Walter Bishop in, in some ways, not in every way. Um, <laughs> but, but Walter Bishop in some ways reminded me and a lot of his mannerisms really reminded me of my grandfather and he and I were really close. He's, he's, uh, passed many, many years ago, but, uh, but it was cool kind of seeing, you know, this, this old tinkerer. My grandfather was a, a tinkerer. He invented stuff, you know, the, um. Uh, you know this, John, but I'll share this with the listeners. You oh, yeah. know that the oval shaped binocular viewing machines that you see at every tourist trap in the country and, mm. and elsewhere in the world. Well, my grandfather invented those among many, many other things that nice. he just tinkered with. But but that was you know, that's the one that everybody knows. So uh, so it was cool seeing
1: this tinkerer every week. So I I for that. Right. For that reason, I also, Walter Bishop, I would say John Noble is a fine actor. Oh, without. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, the guy that played it, especially when he played both the good and the evil, yeah. which like many series. Yeah. that they, they create the alternate timeline where they have and they called him a Walternet. Yes. I believe. Yeah, that's right. He, yeah. he was such a good actor. Yeah. Oh, no, he's brilliant. <laughs> and the Strawberry Supreme. That was his goal.
0: In life. Absolutely. Was of course. The was. Strawberry
1: Supreme. You got to have a goal. strawberry milkshake. I know. I'm not really into strawberry. And, you know, on that note, Dave, I think we're just, are we at the end? I think we are. Or at the beginning of the end?
0: Uh, we are at the end, but uh, but because I had a minor technical issue, you don't hear the band. So I'm going to fix that, and uh, and then I'm going to let you hear the band. No, I, it's fine. You know, they're here. Now they're here. Daddy he is? Yeah, I told you you'd hear him.
1: All right. So once I hear the band, Dave, you know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to tell the listeners how to contact us. Tell the listeners, please. And try to holler above the level of the band, which they're, they're quite restrained tonight. But if you want to get in touch with us, which I assume you'd like to do if you're listening to us. But if you have a question, a comment, cookies, brownies, um, whatever, uh, you should probably send them to feedback at MacGap.com. John, that's uh that's feedback at macgeekab.com. Yes, and I will reiterate the cookies and the brownies and and, and very sweet treats. Stop the feedback. Did you hear that? That that was that was feedback at MattGeekab.
0: No com. That was just real live feedback just for just for you there.
1: <laughs> Wise ass. <laughs> I deserve that. But uh, <laughs> other than other than email to feedback at there are many, there's a myriad of ways to contact us, Dave. I, I, I just can't put my mind around how many ways there are, but I'm going to try to tell you. So one is you can pick up the telephone. Yes, people still use this archaic device to <laughs> transmit voice to electrical back to voice energy. To, to communicate. And if you want to do that, you would dial 206 666 geek, which is Dave
0: 4335. You can also Skype us to MacGeekGab and we get your audio that way too. It comes in as a voicemail. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. The show is at MacGeekGab. That's where you see uh, lots of things when the show is released, when the show notes are live, when. Uh, um, Sometimes we share we feel cool like tips. It. Yeah, no, sometimes we share cool <laughs> tips that, that you folks share with us. So if you have something cool, share it with us. And if it's good, you know, and, and we think it'll help, not only will we put it in the queue for the show, but we'll retweet it right there on Twitter. So so follow us, and uh, and there's good stuff out there. Uh, and, and that's at MacKeekGab. Of course, if you want to follow John, he's John F. Braun. I'm Dave Hamilton. Pilot Pete, he's going to be back one of these days. He was almost here tonight, and then he, and then he, well, he had oh. to go fly. Yeah, I know. I know. And then uh, Mac Observer. Pilot's Life. It's the Pilot's Life. Hey, it's, he's got to work, you know. Sure. Mac S- Observer. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's where you find all the articles that are posted to right. TMO and uh, and sometimes other little tidbits,
1: too. So. Did you mention... Uh, so we also have the uh, the Facebooks. Go. Right? And if you go to facebook.com slash MacGeekApp, that is our Facebook community where you can engage in banter with other listeners. Yes. Or readers in that case. Um, And we do post uh, notifications to tell you when we will have the next show, which, of course, includes you, uh, if you'd like to, being part of our live stream for free. Get that for free. I got um, it. Live stream and chat. And the chat is free, too. Amazing. Using this. Awesome technology called IRC. So, and, and where you find that is MacGeekap.com slash stream. MacGeekap.com slash stream. Indeed. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think that uh I think that gets us that gets us through at least one more week. Next week, our show will be delayed by one day. Uh, we are recording Monday evening. Uh, I believe we'll sync up here sometime really? just after 8:30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked about it. You have it on your schedule, uh, but I've got a travel thing this uh, this coming weekend. So, uh, so that'll that's where we'll be. And uh, we want to thank Michael Johnston from both the We Have Communicators podcast and getapplr.com dot com. G e t a p p l r dot com. A great community for. Creating, uh, You create a list of all the... Actually, you don't create it. You uh, pull down the list of all the apps that you have on your iOS devices, and then you can rate them and find other people that like similar apps to you, and it's a great kind of social discovery service that he has built completely on his own. It's, it's actually really awesome. So uh, check this out. And, of course, Michael is the one who converts this show to AAC adding all the chapters and all of that for us and for you. Of course, we want to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-G-F-L-Y, for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. We want to thank our podcast marketplace sponsors, BB Edit from Bare Bones, of course, Text Expander from Smile, Gazelle, as we mentioned, Squarespace, as we've mentioned. Squarespace.com slash MGG. CrashPlan.com slash MGG. And of course, AudiblePodcast.com slash MGG. And that'll do it. John, uh, please share your favorite bit of advice with, with everyone. Don't get caught.
2: Made